Welcome to Gen Z Finance. We're dedicated to helping you master your money. I'm Jake Wandro. And I'm Francisco Chavez. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Wandro and at Frank Finance 259. Today, we're going to be interviewing Daniel Hernandez. This dude is a stud. He started the photography business and is a first-gen Latin business owner. When he started his business, he started at the age of 22 during the COVID-19 pandemic, previously having four years of photography experience. He went through this self-guided explorational journey and having his business and going through these loopholes of the government in order for him to reach where he needed to be, experiencing video journalism and photography. So if you're an aspiring entrepreneur or going to school and want to be starting a business or have even already started a business, this will be a great podcast to listen to. So definitely listen to the end. Let's get right into that interview. I'm here with Daniel Hernandez, first in the state for his podcast, Fentanyl Empire, first in the state of California for video journalism coverage of Riverside's Black Lives Matter protest, first in the state for sports feature photo, first in the state for environmental portrait. This man's is an entrepreneur, owner, designer, editor, reporter, all while being a student. He really does do it all. So if you're interested in photography, you want to start or grow your own business, or simply want to acquire traits to be more successful in the future, you'll definitely want to give this a listen to the end. We've got Daniel Hernandez here. So let's get right into it. Um, can you take me kind of through what the process was of starting your own business while going to school? So when it came to starting my own business, um, I think it was just kind of a pandemic project. Like, you know, I like the pen, it was like August into the pandemic. And we're like well, a couple months into the pandemic and I was just bored and I realized that I wasn't, I didn't have like a good avenue to make money and I didn't want to do construction anymore because I was doing construction for three years uh, before that. And, you know, because I, I just didn't want to do construction anymore and because I really like the, the, the pandemic gave me a good opportunity to kind of realize that, you know, I need to find another way to make money that isn't just slaving away at a job that is literally meant to kill your body and I wanted to find a job that you know I wanted to do something in my life that I was you know proud of or I wanted to do something in my life that meant a lot to me and that was something that I was passionate about so I think when I started that business it was literally just looking up online just you know how to start a business and then from there it's just watching a couple YouTube videos to make sure that you understand like what sole proprietor means or should I do a doing business ads or should I, uh, you know, do some LLC? Cause I see that all of these, you know, people are doing LLCs or S corps or C corps. And then from there, once you start kind of to understand the lingo and you start understanding, uh, you know, what avenue is best for, for you, uh, you know, then I started kind of writing down, okay, what's my business about? So I said, well, my business is photography. I don't have a partnership, so I'm a sole proprietor. Um, now I have to understand that I'm going to be accepting a bunch of risks that come with being a sole proprietor, like as in like you're solely uh, liable for any issues that 
that may happen while you're working. But luckily, as a photographer, as, a, as setting up a photography business, there's not really many liabilities. Not like it's a dangerous workplace or someone's going to get hurt. Um, but for me, I just started researching, just trying to understand all the little details of um, what everything is and the, pro and the correct process to do that. So then once I kind of understood that process and I understood what my business was going to be about, then I started applying, um, you know, sending applications to the government. So you had to, I had to um, kind of sign, like I had to basically um, send an application saying that I am going to start a business to uh, the county of Riverside. And then after that, you have to like publish uh, a notice within a newspaper, at least like once a, once a week for four weeks as part of that application process. So then I had to figure out how to do that and I had to contact newspapers. And then after that, um, I don't know, it was, just, it was just a whole passion project though. So there's a lot of ins and outs of, of trying to figure that out. But I think it was mainly just taking the time to to do it. And I was fortunate enough on, as, as I, I made the best of an unfortunate situation and I used the excess time that we had during the pandemic to figure it all out. Well, that's pretty admirable that you kind of self-taught all that stuff. So what made you decide to go with being a sole proprietor as opposed to starting an LLC and kind of that avenue? Well, for me, I knew that I always wanted to be a freelance journalist. I wanted to be kind of in that avenue of photography, video journalism, videography, kind of that avenue. And because I knew that's where my skill sets um, like were at. And then also um, just for me, I think it was like the right decision to make as someone who like, you know, just as someone who, who is usually going to be doing a service to people. Um, the service being, you know, taking photos, editing photos, editing videos, things like that. So then I, that just made the right choice to me. And then um, I also knew that I wasn't going to be assuming a lot of risk um, as this job um, because it's not like um, other dangerous services that are out there that um, that might assume a lot of extra risk. But yeah, it was just those two issues, really. So is that photography skill set? one that you had going into the business or one that you just kind of learned well learning about all these other aspects of being a business owner as well so being a photographer yeah i i learned photography when i was 17 18 years old and then by the time i started a business i was around i think 22 years old so i, I had four years of uh, photography experience and then that included already like doing a lot of uh, projects with a bunch of other clients before I had a business so people just hit me up uh, beforehand and I would kind of reach out to people kind of network with individuals and you know they would just call me up and and ask me to do to to do photography or do videography for them so after four years of just kind of doing that without even having a business I realized you know maybe I should put this all down on paper and make it legal Okay. So once it was legal, how did you go about acquiring the customers that you gained? And how did you kind of decide to promote your business? Like, you know, choosing the appropriate platform to use for your audience and just finding those customers to really let you expand DB9 Productions? 
Yeah. So a lot of it personally, I think I found it best when it was word of mouth. Um, just because I wanted to have a not I don't want to say a small customer base, but I wanted to have more of like a a, a relaxed trial period to see if this is really what I want and to see if uh just start figuring out um you know how I should run the business. I didn't want to kind of immediately start a huge promotion campaign. I didn't want to start kind of blasting it everywhere that I'm a photographer and that you must hire me. And I, you know, I didn't want to get an influx of customers at the beginning, even though that sounds counterintuitive. I think it was the best idea for me because then it really gives me a chance to start understanding um, how to deal with customers. And it helps me start to understand, you know, what kind of avenues of photography I really want to do. I remember one time I did like this weird promo on because I just had I don't know dude this is like really weird but I just had a I bought a bunch of teddy bears because it was for a photo shoot thinking that I was gonna work with um I I thought I was gonna work with this brand company like this there's this kid who just started um like a clothing company and I wanted to have a portfolio that showcased that. I was kind of like a streetwear photographer and that I was able to work with clothing companies because I thought that was the avenue I want to go with. And then the, and I was going to do it for, for free just because of the love of the game, because I wanted to build a portfolio so I can send to other uh, bigger brands and kind of build my way up to, to kind of the, the name, like the, the household names. Right. And, but he flaked on me. So I just ended up having a bunch of teddy bears, like, and I was like, yo, if someone can, on Instagram, I posted a, a photo of it and I said, you know, if someone can, uh, can tell me like, can the, the closest guess to how many teddy bears I have here, like I'll give a free photo shoot. And then uh, like this random lady like responded to it. And I was like, and then um, I was, you know, she got the answer correct. And then I said, oh, I have to give you a photo shoot now to keep up my end of the bargain. And then it was just the worst photo shoot I've ever had because it was like, it was a family portrait shoot. And it was the worst. It was really good photos, but it was the worst because that family was so dysfunctional. And I just really like realized in that moment that I hated working with families and I never wanted to do family portraits again because I'd never want to deal with, uh, as a dysfunctional family as they were so I think you know going back to the main topic of it all um, that's why I chose to kind of slowly do word of mouth and slowly test the waters with different types of photography so you know I learned quickly learned I'm not a family portrait guy but then I went and then I did uh, other forms of photography and I started really learning how to talk with customers I really learned how to uh, interact and 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 run the business so that's how it worked for me well that's admirable that you went with the slow kind of natural growth of your business i feel like too often people kind of rush into the stuff before having all of those skills that you wouldn't realize like you were saying of just running the business even interacting with people i feel a lot of people get excited and just like try to blast it but yeah i mean cool this was also during this is also during the pandemic too so i wasn't also trying to get sick i wasn't trying to like rush into, you know, being in, into an area with a lot of people. And I wanted to take this, I had, I had time basically take okay. that slow approach.
So <clears throat> you have this great talent of skill acquisition, I noticed. And how did you make that leap from being just a portrait photographer to doing all the things you do now? Like you've done music videos, photo, video journalism of protests. I mean, you had that podcast on fentanyl, just so many things. And how did you kind of make that leap of being a photography business to now being so multifaceted? Honestly, I just don't know myself. I think a lot of it has to do with just I have this attitude where I see something that somebody else is doing. And then I just kind of look at that. And I think, you know, I could do that. I can figure it out. And it's just it's not because I, I think that I'm better than them or that I think that, you know, I could do it better. It's more just that I'm very naturally curious and I want to test myself and I want to see how far, you know, I can go like with testing my limits and then I also kind of understand that you know I never want to be kind of put into this box of just a photographer just a portrait photographer just a video journalist just this or just that I want to be able to be a Swiss army knife I want to be you know kind of uh, a multifaceted you know toolbox for people and for myself basically because the, the more that I learn about all of these different aspects of, you know, creativity and um, just creation in general, I feel like it gives me a greater ability to uh, be creative. Like now, instead of just having a paintbrush, like I have a roller or have, I have, I have a fine to like a fine brush. I have all of, you know, I have a huge arsenal of tools at my disposal in order to kind of fulfill my creative desires and I think that's what really pushed me to do all of that and it was just also I I was lucky enough to have people who pushed me in the right direction it was finding people who really uh, care about you and really want to see you grow and are going to try to push you uh, they're going to try to push you to your limits as well um, I've had professors who really wanted me to to do my best and every time I turned something in they would critique the ever-living shit out of it right like and they would say you could have done this better you should do this instead and then I also had friends where um I was surrounded in a creative space where I had friends who who wanted to make music videos and they weren't opposed to any of my crazy ideas that we had no matter how bad it may have been you know and then I just had uh but just because we wanted to grow and I've had people who who didn't understand the industry at all or didn't understand um, my kind of area of uh, creativity at all that they just saw it and they and they just they just saw that I was happy and that I was really doing something that um, made me that I was passionate in life and and they pushed me towards continuing that and they didn't try to hinder my growth at all so I think it was just having all of those aspects combined like a combination of creativity and a combination of a really good uh environment to grow in is that what really led me to just kind of see all of these um different uh kind of creative avenues and i wanted to learn as many as i could speaking specifically on the podcast series you did fentanyl empire the inland empire's latest drug crisis um, you did all sorts of stuff interviewing the mayor, if I recall, and really de uh, district digging attorney. <laughs> district attorney. Okay. Yeah. 
really digging deep into kind of how the fentanyl crisis occurred in the Inland Empire and what are the biggest takeaways and things that you learned from not only um, like discovering those things, but also developing the podcast itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, but I think for me, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that I learned while making that podcast was one that I, I really have a passion for storytelling. And I, and I'm so happy that I learned, you know, while I was doing it, I realized that all of the skills that I learned beforehand, kind of all kind of culminated into being able to, to make this one podcast. I really learned a lot with, you know, just being able to tell a fluid story throughout the entire um, series and to really kind of uh, have a huge collection of data and just kind of taking all of this because it was six months worth of research just um we started like january 2022 and then we finally released it july 1st july 2nd so it was six months of you know being able to uh collect all of this data so i learned kind of that aspect how to really string together a story and then also i learned really how to work with the team um, because it wasn't just me it was three other reporters um we had someone who was specializing in audio we had someone who uh kind of grew up in a lifestyle of you know drugs and addiction so they had a firsthand knowledge of all of that and then we also had another individual who's a really good reporter and really good at kind of um being able to collect a lot of data and myself as well and it i really learned a lot in kind of learning that you need to uh, work together as a team and that everybody has a part to play uh, with this um, interview, you know, with um, creating this, this product. And it was just very interesting to see that a lot of times I think we did have, I don't want to say failures per se, but we did have like points where we knew we made mistakes, but we, we didn't uh, take, you know, we took that in stride and we pushed ourselves to, continue going with the project and continue growing with it so i feel like those are just some of the things that i learned just that all the skills i learned um beforehand helped me for this project and also that uh this was something that was a team effort and that was like a first time for me because i'm usually doing i'm I'm usually running solo on projects so those are two good aspects of it some big takeaways to kind of sum up what you're saying is it sounds like the passion has really helped you a lot through kind of all of the endeavors you've had so far and also just the acquiring of more and more skills has let you do more things and just take on more tasks yeah so that's definitely cool to see and how would you say that acquiring these skills doing your entrepreneurial journey and having the business, the podcast, now you're finishing your education in bilingual journalism and doing design for magazines and stuff. How has your entrepreneurship helped with your just normal career? Hmm. So I think it really helps because I've told everyone from the beginning, uh, ever since I uh, came to this university, um, exactly what I want out of it. Um, and I know that seems kind of weird because 
you know, you just, for a lot of people, it's just, you go to classes, you get an A, you get a B, you get a C, whatever, and then you move on to the next class. But for me, I've always had this mentality where, you know, I'm in an opera, I have a great opportunity to learn and I have a great opportunity uh, where I'm surrounded by experts uh, in their field. Um, these are people who I really admire. A lot of people work for Wired Magazine, Vice News. Uh, they've contributed to the New York Times. They've done freelancing projects, all things where I look at that and I realize, wow, like this is all stuff that I want to do in my future. And I have, you know, a, a two years, a year and a half left here. And I need to take every single opportunity that I can to learn from these people. Um, so then, you know, I would, so then for me, you know, having that entrepreneurial spirit, I start networking with my professors and I start talking with them. And it's not just networking where, you know, where you think of in the movies where you're, you know, uh, schmoozing them up with booze or anything. It's more just, you know, I would actually just go to their office hours and I, I talk to them and I tell them like, look, these are my goals. These are my dreams. You know, I don't want to just be a reporter. I want to one day kind of own my own business where I'm able to, you know, uh, make money from my business ventures, you know, whether it is with photography, uh, videography, and still do this creative avenue. But, you know, I want to make, you know, I want to be able to make, you know, some, some income quickly, so then it can fund, you know, my passion projects, which is investigative journalism, just like Fentanyl Empire, that really ended up being a, a really good uh, investigative piece. And I just fell in love with with that side of it, but I know that I need income, you know, consistent income in order to fund these long-term projects. So that's what I basically told them. I said, hey, like, I, I want to learn as much as I can from you. I'm here to help. I'm here to grow your program. But in return, I want a lot of help in these areas where I'm growing as well. And I mean, I'm paying them. Like, I've, I've paid my tuition. So that's exactly what I'm paying them to do. And I kind of see school as that kind of business transaction where you know I'm you know I've given the school money the school pays them so in in a sense I'm paying their salary and because of that I want a return on investment of my investment and I really see that as I just really see this place as a as a good opportunity for growth for my personal business and not just as a way to kind of get a job and get that regular nine to five because a lot of people in this industry I think um they just talk about wanting to be a reporter they just want to uh be you know somebody who who does the job and goes home and I, that's really admirable as well if people want to do that uh kind of avenue I kind of I honestly really respect those people as well because they know what they want in life they want to uh kind of just make the money and go home and enjoy their life but for me like i'm way too creative i'm way too uh like i'm i'm constantly thinking of like new ideas to the point where it's kind of a detriment where like now i'm just kind of always trying to push myself to learn i'm like losing hours of sleep just to do this uh just to finish projects but it's really what i love to do so i'm kind of taking this opportunity now to to help me get a good return on investment. So once I graduate, I have not only even more skills from all of these professors, but now I have a lot of 
kind of recommendations. I have a lot of people who, um, people who were in the industry who have connections to the industry. And I want to use that in a good way to leverage it because that's what they want you to do. They want you to leverage all of that to, to kind of push yourself forward in the industry. So I want to kind of use all this for leverage to push myself further. I feel like a lot of people think that you either become an entrepreneur and start a business or you get a four-year degree and then work a job. And other than some business majors, of course, but it's really cool to see that you're doing both by going to school and leveraging that knowledge for your business and kind of chose a degree with tangential skills to your business and kind of using those in harmony with each other is just really cool to see. And I never see anyone do that. They either start a business or like the business school type of thing, but you're just self-teaching that business side, self-teaching the legal aspect. And I mean, I think that's some powerful stuff right there. What would you say have been the biggest challenges of tackling both of those at the same time of starting a business and going to school? If if any, it sounds like it's really working out. Ooh, there's a lot of challenges. I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, I guess from a Latino aspect of it, like first generation, there's a lot of imposter syndrome. So I think that's just a mental challenge that I have to face. And it's something that I think should be talked about more um, just from a, both a minority side or from, you know, a, just a general side too. I think everybody faces imposter syndrome uh, depending on where they're at. Um, you know, I just feel like sometimes I just see other people there, they are doing way more incredible, amazing work than I could ever do. They're the best photographers I've ever seen, the best writers I've ever seen, the, or the best entrepreneurs I've ever seen in my life. And then I start kind of questioning myself. I'm always like, what am I doing? You know, like why I don't, uh, why can't I just focus on being an entrepreneur? Like I should have just gone, you know, one, some days I wake up, I see, what other people are doing and then I'm just kind of questioning myself like man I'm not good enough I'm not uh you know I'm I'm doing something dumb where I should have been an entrepreneur only instead of kind of taking this dual route and you know they're doing it way better than me they understand it better than me and then other days it's the vice versa where you know I'm a I'm in the journalism newsroom and I see that you know, there's some amazing photography, some amazing coverage, some, you know, some articles written that I read it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'll never be able to get to this person's level. What am I doing here? You know, sometimes I in that newsroom where I'm like, man, this. I'm just going to go back to construction because like this ain't working out for me. But uh, I think that's just the imposter syndrome talking, just a lot of mental challenges. And I just have to remind myself that everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own kind of route in life. There is no kind of singular path that anyone should take. So that's been a challenge. And I think also another challenge uh, for me has been just kind of, you know, taking a step back and really kind of taking the time to reevaluate what you want in life as well. Um, I'm always that kind of person that's like full steam ahead, you know, the train stops for no one kind of mentality. Um, but I think it's very important to take these kind of breathers for myself and to 
look at all of the new skills I've acquired or, or look at all the new information that I've gained uh, throughout this time and kind of re reanalyze what I want, um, especially since, you know, I might, I don't want to be stuck in this bubble forever. It's like, oh, I, I started a business and I, you know, I'm wanting to grow this business, but now, you know, I've, now I've kind of taken that step back and I realize, okay, well, you know, I'm glad I started this business, but maybe it's not the right business for me. Maybe uh, I can start another business, but with a focus of, you know, kind of a different avenue of photography, but because um, I just opened up DB9 Productions with the, with the hope that it would be a portrait photography business. But now I'm thinking, you know what, I can restart it myself as more of a like photojournalism freelance angle or I don't know I still need to figure that out but you know that's why I need to take that step back and really reevaluate it but it's really difficult for me because I never give myself that time to to reevaluate and to really uh, look at the big picture sometimes so those are two kind of issues I think they're more mental than anything um, but I think the mental challenges are the greatest hurdles to overcome well, that's a lot of good stuff. Thanks a bunch for being on the podcast, Daniel. I know there's a lot of people in Gen Z right now either wanting to start a business, maybe going to school, not sure how that's possible. So there's definitely a lot to gleam here from your knowledge, and that's really appreciated. Everyone should definitely check out your podcast, Fentanyl Empire, the Inland Empire's latest drug crisis, whether you're in the Inland Empire or not, it's very interesting stuff. And I mean, they could find you at DB9 Productions as well. Is there anything anywhere else people could find you or things you're working on? Mm, I think that's everything for now. I think, you know, just check out my Instagram, my Twitter, um, and then please check out that podcast because that's my little passion project, my little baby. So and I think it really does have good information out there, especially, you know, going from a Gen Z angle, like, hey, man, y'all need to be aware of the, the drugs y'all are taking. And I feel like, you know, that'll save y'all in the future if you listen to that podcast. And that Instagram and Twitter is DB9 Productions. Yes, sir. Well, thanks again for being on, Daniel. Wow. Well, that was something. Yeah, listening to Daniel Hernandez speak today was something that I didn't really think about. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I mean, I thought there was a lot of really useful stuff in there. I really like how much he self-taught, especially at the beginning and just throughout his whole career so far. I really respect that. I feel like so many times we think we don't know anything about this passion we're taking up, or we don't even know where to start, and he just he just Googled stuff and figured it out as he went. And I think that's an important thing to remember that even if we don't know anything, that knowledge is at our fingertips. Every professional at some point didn't know anything as well. So just to never think that you can't do something just because you don't already know the ins and outs of that pursuit. You're absolutely right, Jake. The main point that you brought up that I feel is very determining and to be where he is now is passion. Passion allows us to be where we want to be. He has passion for storytelling and this gave him the room to 
have more space for new possibilities. He said he wants to learn from people. He mentioned that every opportunity is to learn from those with who have opportunities. That's how he was able to get new experiences and be more willing to explore and go through those nooks and even sell his services for free in order for him to improve his platform and for him to improve his title as a photographer in society. Yeah, I enjoyed him kind of laying out that plan that he had of natural growth of giving those free photo shoots and everything and not focusing on the money and just like focusing on growing organically. And it sounds like that was really useful for him and something to note, definitely. Um, I wanted to add um, <clears throat> his journey. I'm really proud to see him where he is. Um, I've only met him once um, through you when for your graduation and it was something he was a really bright individual and he seemed to know a lot about what he was doing uh, i really enjoyed the photography pictures he took for your graduation and i could truly determine you know the talent that he had and i could see his passion um i am really happy to see him grow and he also mentioned personal growth being something very important that he constantly wants. Uh, attending San Francisco State and him having more of a inspiration to what he wants to do, being in this position where he's able to truly learn from experts and be surrounded by people who are related to his work. It, it's something that not many people get to do at this day and age. And he's able to do it not because he wants to have this nine to five job, like he said, but because he wants a legacy. He wants something bigger. He wants something that he can stand by and be proud of. And I feel once you have that one principle, it's a, a fundamental aspect for you to, you know, have in order for you to move forward. Because without that, you know, you can easily be shaken down but by other things because there are real world scenarios that can come in your way. You know, responsibilities, financial bills, crisis. And, you know, we can decide any point in time, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I could just drop it, let it go, and see it as a, another possible opportunity in the future. But having that drive, that passion... That grit is what allows us to move forward every single day and try it and knowing that you're going to fail, but you're happy doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think that passion is definitely one of, if not the most important parts of any of these endeavors that we take on with these side hustles and whatnot in our lives. And another thing I really liked that he was talking about was his ability to pivot and it's good to commit fully to your idea and your dreams but it's as important to be able to pivot as you learn more about those passions like daniel was saying he figured out pretty early on that he enjoys photography and wanted to pursue that passion 
And his whole business model at the start was portrait photography and family pictures and stuff. But he realized that's not what he enjoys. But instead of saying like, well, I'm in too deep. This was the idea I had and have to pursue, you know, like instead of being stuck to that initial plan he made, he pivoted, changed his business model. And through that pivot was not only happier, but found more success as well. That is true. It's always um, important to remember um, as we pivot, we should not stray from our true passions and we should never doubt in the position we are because if you guys um, were hearing in the podcast and the, the audio, Daniel expressed imposter syndrome and I feel it's something a lot of people in the gen z uh, generation have it's a scary thing you don't know if you're capable of or you're willing enough to be part of something you know you try your hardest every day and you know relative to others it could not be as much but he said not to let that deteriorate where you're coming from you know, reevaluate where you are and pivoting is, you know, very important. And it's what allows us to, you know, move and be where we need to be. That's why he's happy to be in San Francisco State. And he doesn't have regrets, you know, of maybe, you know, I should have done the business. And something, some very interesting, inspiring words that actually uh, appreciated from him from this podcast was him saying, he is paying for their salary and he wants a return on their investment. And that is something I feel not many of us students really think about. You know, you go to class, you attend lecture, you go home, you study, you learn from a book. But we should be questioning those things as students because it is our education we're paying for and we're paying for these instructors to be teaching us the required material to you know, have this fundamental knowledge for our career. Yeah, it, it's definitely interesting hearing him say how exactly he's taking advantage of his school situation. Because, you know, I'd, I'd think that starting a business while going to college is more difficult. But I love how he's seeing it as a resource and really using it as one with just casually networking with these professors with real connections and also using these different assets that the school has to be able to grow for himself. And as you were saying with the imposter syndrome as well, I really appreciated him opening up with that and with the challenges that come with entrepreneurship as well. Since there's so much self-learning, it's easy to feel like you don't belong where you are. But if it's your passion and you're taking the time to learn, then you do belong and you are in the right place and pursuing the right thing. And it makes me think because he goes to a school where he knew he was going to get the resources he needed to reach to his profession. So imagine where you are. The viewer, the local viewer, the local Gen Z student, whether you're in high school, community college, a trade school, look at the instructors and the people around you 
and what are their experiences? What allowed them to be where they are? Because it's not something we really think about. There's a physiology class I'm taking right now. One of my professors, she studied for several years at Harvard and then transferred to MIT. And now she's teaching at Davis since 2019. It's something you really don't, you really don't put into consideration. For example, looking into Daniel's, uh, uh, what is it called? Educational staff. They came from backgrounds such as the New York Times, Wired, and the SF Chronicle. He really knows what he's there for. And that's something you as a student, you need to put your foot down and truly evaluate. Because if you don't know what you're there for, you are wasting your time. You are honestly there as a physical body, but nothing more. And if you truly want to take advantage of your time, then that's the way to do it. Yeah, I think the most important part is really just starting. And if you have that passion to just to just dive in and just start learning, self-teaching, you know, Google's out there for a reason. And if you have started already on this passion, just keep going and networking with people and just diving deep with gives you that freedom to be able to pursue it fully and learn what you need. So it was great having Daniel on the pod. There was a lot to learn there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hit that like button. I'm Jake Wandro. And I'm Francisco Chavez. Now go master your money.